Blog Talk Radio. Network, your global transformation station. And this 
is Taking It to the Streets. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Taking It to the Streets for this Monday, December the 5th, 2016. Now, I'm your host, Bishop Shalene Cooks, and I serve as the overseer of the Spirit Alive Ministries and the Spirit Alive Network, and I'm also the founder of No Bounds Global Outreach Ministries and the Spirit Alive Praise and Worship Experience, which airs right here on the Spirit Alive Network each and every Sunday at 9 a.m. But as always here at the Spirit Alive Network, we begin every program with a word of prayer and praise because Jesus is the reason that we do everything that we do, and we just always want to be so careful to give him all the honor and the glory. Hallelujah. Most gracious and heavenly Father, I just come before your throne of grace tonight just asking that you remove me from self, that you would use me, Lord God, step into my body of clay and use me to bless your people, to encourage your people, to inspire your people, to activate your Father, I ask a special blessing upon um, my, my beloved sister, Sister Vassar, who is in the house with us on tonight. And I just pray that you also use her mightily for your purpose and glory. Father God, I commit this program and all that we will hear and say unto your glory. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, glory to God. I'm so glad and so blessed that you have all called in and tuned in on tonight because tonight I'm going to be talking about my favorite time of the year. Yes, Lord, and yes, indeed, it is Christmas time. Now, Christmas time truly is the most wonderful time of the year, but not because of the light, the trees, or the presents. But it is the time, it is because it is the time that we celebrate God's greatest gift to the world, his only begotten son, Jesus. And I, as I said in my prayer, I'm so blessed to be joined tonight by my sister, Sister Teresa Vassar, our host of The Scoop from the Stoop. And she will be joining us later to share with us some Christmas tips that you won't want to miss. But right now, we just like to start by saying good evening to you also, Sister Vassar. Hallelujah. I'm Lord, sorry, you, was, you were singing at first. Oh, no, no. Yeah, uh, no. for real. I know you used to sing, girl. I thought that was you singing at first. So she went no, and got one little part of all that's with. <laughs> yeah, that was Whitney. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good evening, my sister, and I sure appreciate that compliment. But no, that was Whitney. But yes, my yeah, sister, I, I'm I got it. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Well, sister, I'm so glad that you're here over there on your stoop and that you're listening in tonight. We'd also like to say good evening to Deacon Wim Isbell. He's over there on his stoop tonight. So we're just glad that uh, they are in the house and all of you are in the house. So let us begin. We are heading towards Christmas. And I'm going to come at you tonight in a different kind of way because, uh, you know, I believe that if we're heading for a crib toward Christmas, then we need to be thinking about Jesus. So if you have your Bible, retrieve your Bible, something to write with and something to write on. Um, my first passage of Scripture is going to be John chapter 1. 
and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14 as we head toward Christmas. All right, John chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 14. This is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which light every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the world was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, during this time of year, this is the one time of the year that we will hear that Jesus is the reason for the season. But I believe that Jesus should be our reason for everything. But, you know, at this time of the year, we will still find people that don't know who Jesus is. So the question is, do you believe in Jesus? Or maybe a better question to some may be, does the world believe in Jesus? And if so, how much? Now, if you were to ask folks today uh, about some of the most influential people in their lives or, or, you know, people that they consider heroes and icons, you would hear names like President Barack and Michelle Obama. You might hear Beyonce and Jay-Z. Uh, uh, Chesley B. Uh, Sullenberger, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Oprah, Tyler Perry, Kanye and Kim Kardashian, Rihanna, or Taylor Swift. Now, I don't know about any of you that may be listening, but I don't know any of these people. And, of course, I'm sure you noticed that Jesus was not mentioned on that list. And I wonder why, if you were to ask the average person on the street who was the most influential person of all time, I wonder what they would say or who they would name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I would hope that some would say Jesus. But in our day and time, you might get all kind of crazy answers. In fact, here are some things that some people think about Christ. Now, a lady from Dallas, Texas said, when the going gets tough, the weak get religion. 
Now, listen, I need for somebody to know that faith and religion are two very different things and can never be reconciled. Faith is good and very much a personal thing, where religion is the source of most misery and very much a public affair. Now, the differences are obvious. Except except to those who may be stuck on stupid, sitting on silly, waiting on dumb, were retorted on speed dial, and all of their keepers. Now, another person wrote from Redmond, Washington, I think Jesus might have been a good person in the time, but today he would be no more than a monument to the stupidity of Christians. <laughs> oh, contraire, mon frere. I beg to differ. Now, Somebody from my very own hometown of St. Louis wrote, tons of evidence supporting Jesus Christ, the Bible, and creation. You can find links to science, scientists and historians who have written books and run museums about scientific and historical evidence for Jesus, the Bible, and creation. Now, most people who say there isn't any evidence of Jesus are generally people that are very uninformed or just haven't really researched it. I know that's right. I have to agree with that. Now, I also have to to admit that because I was raised in a church that preached Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world, it's probably easier for me to believe in Jesus than someone that has never been taught about God, about Christ or the Bible. And I know that it's hard to convince some people of the truth of all truth. And how can we convince others about the truth of Jesus Christ? Everything starts with our faith in the living God. If you can't convince a person there's a living God who created the heaven and the earth, then it's pretty hard to convince them the message of the Bible about Jesus is true. Now, I know one thing. I can't think about Christmas without thinking about Jesus. I think about who he is, what he did, and what I owe him. Now, let me break this down because, believe it or not, there are some that may be listening to us around this world that might not know Jesus. But I'm going to explain who he is to you right now. I once read an antidote in uh, one of those Reader's Digest, and it was a cute little antidote. I loved it. Now, that's why I put it in this sermon, because it was really cute. And it said, a burglar broke into a home and was looking around. He heard a soft voice say, Jesus is watching you. Now, thinking it was just his imagination, he considered all, he continued on with his search. Oh, he was just in there ransacking. Oh, he was doing his thing. But then again, the voice said, Jesus is watching you. He turned his flashlight, uh, he turned his flashlight around and saw a parrot in a cage. The burglar asked the parrot if he was the one talking, and the parrot said, yes. He asked the parrot what his name was, and the parrot said, Moses, the burglar said, what kind of people would name a parrot Moses? To which the parrot responded, 
the same kind of people who would name their pit bull Jesus. So now I ask you, who is Jesus? Well, we know he's certainly not a pit bull, but Jesus was human and yet God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was both human and divine. In John 1 through 3, we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. And then in verse 14, we see the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, how could God do that? How could Jesus be both human and divine? Well, all I'm going to tell you is this. I don't understand it, but I am willing to stake my eternal life on it. When we get to where we understand everything about God, then God will cease to be God. But, however, it is needless to say, that is never going to happen. You know, Man already thinks he's smarter than God, but the end is yet to be seen. So who is God? Someone once wrote that not one recognized leader as Buddha, Moses, Confucius, Muhammad, they never claimed to be God. Jesus is the only person who has ever convinced a great portion of the world that he is God. Now, this claim can either be true or false. If false, Jesus either knew his claims were false and he lied, or he was deluded and a lunatic. Now, if Jesus knowingly lied, he was the world's greatest hypocrite and a charlatan at the worst, of the worst kind. He would also be the greatest fool. Because what person would die for a lie? And if Jesus was deluded, how could his precepts help so many people for such a long time? His critics and enemies had nothing but the highest accolades to say about his character. There is no other choice. Jesus, you either believe that Jesus is a liar or an a lunatic or you believe that he is Lord of all. Now, when I think about Christmas, I have to think about the gift, what Jesus did, hallelujah. Well, the one thing he did was we know from the word of God that he was there in the beginning with the heavenly father, and through all, through him all things were made. So he was right there through the whole process. And, again, people might want to stop it. Well, how did that happen? What do you mean? Well, let me tell you. I don't exactly understand how all that happened, but I'm going to stand on it. Because if God said it, he meant it. So we know that he was, he was there in the beginning. We know that he created the world. So then you might want to ask, then so what exactly did Jesus come to earth to do? Well, according to an old legend, a man became lost in his travels and wandered into a bed of quicksand. 
He said, Confucius saw the man's predicament and said, it is evident that man should stay out of places such as this. He said, next, Buddha observed the situation and said, let that man's plight be a lesson to the rest of the world. Then Muhammad came by and said to the sinking man, alas, it is the will of God. Finally, Jesus appeared. And he said, take my hand, brother, and I will save you. Jesus came to save us from the sinking sands of sin. He came to save us from that quicksand of death. Because you know we are told in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know. And all of us, all of us are in need of the gift, this wonderful gift that God offers because Titus 3, 3 through 5 says, at one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by his Holy Spirit. You see, at just the right time, Jesus allowed him, Jesus stepped down out of the heaven. He allowed himself to be born to the Virgin Mary, a lowly birth. Hallelujah. So that he would later die for your sins and mine. He stepped into this universe knowing that he would be the propitiation of our very sins. And I'm telling you, everybody needs saving, everybody needs forgiving, everybody needs this gift. T.D. Jakes, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Joyce Meyer, me, you, and anybody else down here on the face of this earth. We need this gift. First Peter 2.24 said, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live by, for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to Father God except through him. When I think of Christmas, I have to think of Christ and what I owe him. What do we owe Jesus? We owe him everything. We, we owe him total surrender. We owe him unwavering obedience. We owe him unconditional faith. We owe him undivided attention. We owe him our attendance. We need to show up and be present at his feet. We owe Christ our very lives, considering what he did for us. He didn't just create us. He doesn't just provide for our daily needs. He doesn't just watch over us at night. He became sin for us. So I think we owe him a great more than what we give him. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says, 
So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What do we owe Christ? What should we do for him? We should walk with him on the daily. We should seek to please him in all things. We should focus on him more than we focus on the things of this world, and not just at Christmas time, but every day of the of the year. We should be his witnesses. Hallelujah. We should rightfully and dutifully do everything that he commands us to do because that is the least that we can do in response to everything that he has already done for us, especially during this time of the year. Because this is the time of the year when those of us that love the Lord, we think back to the three wise men when they went to see baby Jesus. And according to the book of Matthew, presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are simple words, but if we analyze them carefully, we discover an important yet often overlooked theological fact. In this account, there is no mention, absolutely no mention, of wrapping paper. For you see, if there had been wrapping paper, Matthew would have said so. The Bible would have read more like this. And lo, the gifts were encompassed about with seven square cubits of paper, and the paper was covered within and was out with pictures of Faustus, a man of snow. And Joseph purposed in his heart to cast this paper up on the fire heat. But Mary said, saith unto him, Peace, man. Drop that decorative parchment. It should be set aside for future generations. And Joseph did indeed roll his eyeballs up to the heavens, and it came to pass that the babe was more interested in the paper than the frankincense and myrrh after all. My Lord, did it. But the Bible doesn't say that. These words do not appear in the Bible. So this tells me that the very first Christmas gifts were not wrapped. This is because the people giving those gifts had two important characteristics. One, they were wise, and two, they were men. (laughs) Now, you need to understand, men are just not big gift wrappers. You know, Men don't understand the point of putting paper on a gift just so somebody else can tear it off. I mean, gift wrapping is just one of those skills that seem to come more naturally to women than men. But, you know, your sister Bishop, I always want to help her brothers out. So let me give you some, you some gift wrapping tips. Uh, whenever possible, men, 
Buy gifts that are already wrapped. There you go. That'll help you out a lot. Uh, also, uh, don't be listening to them Women's Day magazine uh, when they be telling you to, you know, get wrapping paper and you can make a design, you know, by slicing apples and putting them in, dipping them in food. No, no, they let us fucking crack. Don't y'all go through all that. What y'all need to do is when you're really trying to get your love, your beloved wife, significant, your beautiful woman, your fiance, your girlfriend, some gift, you know, get her a nice, get one of them big, nice, pretty, they got them big old pretty bags, them Christmas bags. You can get you some of them. And let me tell y'all something else. Do not stick in no uh, things like leaf blowers, uh, gas power drills, weed. Don't be trying to, look, don't be trying to fool those sisters by sticking them kind of gifts up in them big old pretty bags, okay? All right, all right, because you will be put on the out of the, in the doghouse list. Now, I'm just teasing you guys, but we need to remember that the most important thing is not the expense of the gift you give or even how you wrap it. The important thing during this very special time of year is that you say the receipt. No, no, I'm just playing. I'll pull you, Jay. It's really all about giving rather than looking for what you will receive. And it's a good thing, too, because men, uh, y'all don't know very much about rapping, but men know, have learned all that he knows about giving from God. You see, God is in the giving bed. See, we're celebrating a birthday. We're celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, so... Today I'm gonna I'm about to help you out and how you might bless him this Christmas. You know, God is in the giving business. God gave Adam and Eve a piece of skin from an innocent animal to replace the fig leaves and cover their shame of nakedness. God gave Noah a plan for the ark that would provide for the saving of his entire household when the flood came. God gave Sarah a precious miracle child when she was over 99 years old, and she named him Isaac. God gave the Israelites possession of the land flowing with milk and honey. God gave prophets to plead with his people and tell them of the amazing things to come. God gave the scriptures to prophesy of his only begotten son, the Messiah, who would come to deliver and save us. God gave the shepherds a pronouncement by the angels that Jesus was born. He gave the wise men a star to lead them to the young child with their gifts. God gave Joseph the patience to understand the strange circumstances of a virgin with a child. God gave the world the Prince of Peace. God gave Jesus the place of sinners on the cross to bear the suffering, the sorrow, and the shame. God gave his best. Jesus gave his all because he gave his life for sinners. God offers to give all men the pardon of their sins. (coughs) Excuse me. So that they too 
might know the joy of everlasting life. Now, surely God is a great giver. Mankind can learn a lot about giving from him. John tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. James states that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from the Father of light. Jesus tells the woman at the well, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Paul states that God, uh, of God, he that spared not his own son, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Paul said to the Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. I say with Paul, to God, for his unspeakable gift. So, now that I've told you who Jesus is and the gift that he is, now I want to help you with your Christmas shopping. Because there's some things we must truly consider. When we are Christmas shopping, when we are looking for that special gift for King Jesus. Now, when we're looking for that perfect, that perfect gift for that someone special, the first thing we got to make sure that we do is get a personal gift. When we shop or when we do something, it should be personal. We're not doing it for ourselves, or we're not shopping for ourselves. So we want to get a gift that fits the person that we're shopping for. God gave a personal gift by giving us his son to die for our sins. He came for everyone. He came for you, and he came for me. He did not just come for the rich. He did not just come for the poor. He did not just come for white people or black people. He did not just come for people from the United States, but he came for everyone, red, yellow, black, white, green, purple, whatever. The gift of God's son was for each and every one of us. He came and he died for you and for me personally. When he came to this earth, he became human. You know what? And he didn't have to. He was God. When he lived here on earth, he was completely human. He felt headache. He felt heartache. He knew loneliness. He was tempted. He longed for companionship. He felt hunger. He knew what it was like to be tempted by a woman. When he left his earthly father's carpenter shop, I'm sure that he probably thought, huh, you know what, maybe I should wait. Maybe I can do this later. Ah, maybe Jesus thought, maybe I can come back, I can go back up there and come back down during another generation when crosses aren't in style and crucifixion isn't the punishment of the day. You know, we don't like to think of Jesus in the human. 
We don't like to think about God being hungry, God being tempted. It's almost sacrilegious, but he was completely human. The nails hurt his hands just like they would hurt yours or mine. So why did he do it? He did it because he looked across time and he saw your heart and he saw my heart and he knew that we were going to need a Savior. So he gave the gift of himself. His gift is personal. He gave himself for each and every one of us. So make sure when you're thinking about that gift for Jesus that you make it a personal gift. And I suggest that you also make it a practical gift. Think about it. When we go shopping for those we love, you know, it doesn't have to be the best or the most expensive gift. As the old saying goes, it's the thought that counts. You know, our gifts should be practical. Um, you know, but not like the lady said, this one lady said to her husband, she said, this year, let's be practical. Let's give each other more practical gifts like socks and fur coats. Hmm, something don't sound right about that. You know. We have to think about what would really be practical in the eyes of God. Jesus has given us the most practical gift of all. That's eternal life for those of us who turn our hearts over to him and submit to his will and his way for our life. That's something that we all need. It's something that we all must have. Without that, we're going to die and go to hell with it. We'll live, we will live eternally with God. Now, how much more practical can that be? Let me ask somebody out there listening tonight. Have you sinned? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have. You know? And there is no gift that I can think of that I need more than the gift of eternal life. So when you're giving a gift to God, Give something from the heart. Give something with me. And then make sure that it's a pleasing gift. You know, when we give, when we give, uh, give to our earthly family, people that we love, you know, we want them to be pleased with the gift. Because you know what happens to those gifts that we really don't like. Oh, they get put way up on the top shelf in the dark, in the back, in the corner, you know. And I don't even need to tell, I don't even need to tell nobody what I would do with a fruitcake. Okay, I'm not a fan of fruitcake, so about the only thing that I would do with a fruitcake is use it for a doorstop. But you know, we need to think about the gift being pleasing to God. You know, we don't need all that stuff that's on our Christmas list. You know, we don't need all the newest and latest gadgets. All we need is salvation 
And Jesus has already given us that gift. I came to tell somebody today that if you give Jesus yourself, your heart, that would be the most pleasing thing that you could do. Because his gifts are always pleasing. And I'm going to tell you something else. His gifts are permanent. You know, the gifts that we give, that we want to give, should be of some kind of permanent lasting value. We don't want to give somebody that we really care about something that's cheaply made that will break the first day it's used. Also, we try to give our kids and our people, people that we love stuff that they're gonna have that's gonna hold their interest past Christmas Day. I mean, how many of you parents have spent all that money on all the expensive gifts just for your kids at the end of the Christmas day, we sitting down sliding down hills with the boxes that the gifts came in. Our gifts that we give should be permanent. Why do you think the word of God declares and decrees that only what you do for Christ will last? God gave us the permanent gift of eternal life. He said in John chapter 10 and 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There is really nothing else that we could ever ask for our, our desire that is higher than that gift. Jesus laid down his own life so that we might could have this permanent gift. He wrapped himself in human flesh and took on man. He bore our sins and took on our shame. The king of kings, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, was born in a little stable. What a welcome that was for him to this earth. He didn't come in on a big white horse with a platoon of angels. He didn't come in and with a mighty roar. He came in. He was born into this world on that very holy night. He was born in a manger, in a stable. We need to remember that we also have we have a purchase gift, you know. We we have to purchase our gift. You know, we just can't walk up into Macy's and JCPA's and all them kind of places and just uh, start walking out with Christmas gifts. You know. However, Jesus has already purchased the greatest gift of all for us, and that is our salvation. Romans 5 and 15 says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. James 1 and 17 declares every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So what is the best gift that you could give 
Jesus for Christmas, it's your heart. You know, the reason Jesus was born in a manger is lost in all the tinsel and all the lights and the holiday celebrations. In the midst of all the shopping and gift giving, we often lose sight of the real gift of Christmas. And that is the fact that God purchased our salvation with his own blood so that we might be saved. An evangelist had held a service, and at the close of that service, a little girl walked up to her, and she presented her with a bouquet of flowers. That's the, the, you know, they were the first flowers of spring. And he asked her, why are you giving me these flowers? She answered, because I love you, because I love you. He then asked her if she gave Jesus such gifts of her love. She said, oh, I give him, I give myself to him. That surely is the highest kind of giving. And without it, all other giving is in vain. Just as we give gifts during the Christmas season, Jesus has given the ultimate gift for our sins. His gift is personal, practical, pleasing, and permanent. He has already purchased it for us this Christmas season. And just as we accept a gift for ourselves this Christmas, we should accept the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. But in order to do this, one must admit that you have sinned. Then you must repent of your sins. And repenting means more than just simply saying you're sorry. It means to have a change of mind, a change of heart, to go in a different direction, to believe in Christ Jesus. So this Christmas, if you have already accepted the gift that God offers you, I, I want to ask you, what are you giving Jesus this Christmas? If you have not received God's gift, I invite you to receive it right now. And I hope that these five little pointers will be a help with your Christmas shopping this year. And more importantly, I hope that you will accept this gift as a personal gift just for you. What have you done for God's son? Whose birthday are we celebrating anyway? It's Christmas time. So I think we should spend more time focusing on Christ and less time focusing on the things of this world. I ask you now, won't you share the true reason for the season today? And here to give us some tips on what that may look like this holiday season, we're going to have our very own Sister Teresa Vassar come now from the stoop and help us out in that department. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, dear, we can hear you. Wonderful talk. And I, before I get into what the true meaning of the season, I wanted to just add Hebrews 11.1 1 in there. Faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when somebody says, well, I'm not really sure what that means, you, you base it on faith. 
and this publication I was reading goes on to say, faith is not based on human human feelings or emotions, but rather it is based squarely on the fact of what God says. We don't have to know why. We don't have to understand it completely. We just have to believe it. And I wanted to put that in there right quick. That's all right. Now, I've heard friends over the years say, oh, what can I get someone? Who can, what can I get this person or that person? Because they have everything. So there's nothing that you're going to find in any store that you need to give God. He has everything. What can we possibly get him? Get him. But what he wants us to do is love each other like he loved us. So don't worry about what you're going to give God in the sense that you're going to give him anything. But when you see that family over there with six children and very little money, you buy them something or you take them a meal or you do something nice for them. That blesses you, them, and God will be very, very favorably on you for that. You know, people make fortunes. They can make a fortune. They can lose a fortune. They can make a fortune back. But the one thing that you can give somebody that you never, ever, ever get back is the gift of your time. Give a family with children your time. Give an old person in a nursing home some time, you know, just to sit and read to them, just to sit and have a conversation with them. That's a blessing to them. It's a blessing to you because God knows you're not going to get that time. He knows that that's time. If it's 30 minutes, 10 minutes, those 10 minutes are gone in this world. That 30 minutes is gone. This was that's truly a gift that not going to break up the next day. That old lady may sit and talk about 10 years from now. This family may talk about, remember that year, that lady across the street? I can't even remember her name. But remember when she packed up and brought all that food over to our house and we didn't have anything? May not remember your name, so remember the deed. And that pleases God. So I think for me, if there was a gift that I wanted to give God, it would be the gift of loving some of his other children, helping them, talking to them, spending time with them, blessing them with what I can do, you know, helping make this day, tomorrow, and Christmas Day better for them in any way I can. Uh, do a craft session with them. They have children, take kids, do something. You know, if they don't have a lot of money, and since I don't have a lot of money, maybe have them over to your home and make a gift for mommy and daddy. It won't be about the gift. It'll be about the fact that this child's got enough of their parents to sit down and try to make them a gift. Now, put that Christmas stocking or that jewelry box or frame, whatever it might be, they'll put it in their most valued possessions and they'll have it for years to come. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm going. Amen. You know, I um, I don't know what else to say because we know in this time and day, nobody's just, money's just not falling out of anybody's pocket. But, you know, That's it doesn't right. take a lot of money to show Christian love. That's what you do. Yes. Amen. Um, Amen. And to me, God will bless you more for that. Because there's nothing that you can't give that you give away from your heart. That God won't bless you tenfold. You know, feed a hungry family or just have them over. Do something nice for somebody. I was out in Walmart the other day, and we stopped the subway to get a sandwich. A little girl there, she was looking like she was ready to jump across that counter and choke somebody. Face all frowned up and snapping and barking. Now, I could have got mad at her and, and answered in kind. You know, she's snapping at me and I'm, I'm telling her what I want on my sandwich and she acting like she don't understand English. 
I could have been nasty about it, but, you know, something in me held me back, and I said, this must be the end of your shift, huh? Yes. I said, well, it's been a long day, huh? Yeah, it has. I said, well, I know you'll be And as we carried on this conversation, her demeanor changed. Now, yes. when I got my sandwich, I paid for it. I don't have a lot of money, but when I got through getting my sandwich and I paid for it, I said, here, and I folded up some money and I put it in her hand. It wasn't a lot of money. It wasn't very much money at all, just 2 or $3. But when I left, that child had a smile on her face. But she had the smile before the money came into it, just the fact that I would stand there and talk to her and speak yes. to her with love like a human being and not to how she was reacting. Amen. So the money, like I said, the money is non-consequential. I mean, it makes helps, but it was the fact that somebody listened to her and somebody showed her Amen. kindness. And I think we tend to do that more around this time of the year, but that should be something that's done every day of every year, Christmas every day. You know, yes, amen. Sing a song about it, Christmas every day. And if we yes. can ever get to that point, you know, it would be a much more beautiful world. Um, Amen. I worked as a cashier for a lot of years, and I worked doing from, you know, from Black Friday through the Christmas holiday. And, I mean, I got talked to like I was less than dirt. But I didn't take it personal. I just know people were a bunch of kids, not enough money, stressing out. And, you know, I could have made it worse by giving them back in kind, you know, being nasty or snapping back. But I wouldn't do that. And a lot of the ones that started off snapping and barking at me by the time we got through my checkout line, you know, I'm, I'm a clown anyway, so I laugh and try to make a joke out of anything, you know, in the sense, cheer up, you know. And it works nine times out of ten. There are some people, no matter what you do, <laughs> they, they just determined to be in a bad mood. They probably got a fruitcake. That's what it was <laughs> for Christmas. But anyway. Just give love. Give love on Christmas, yes. Christmas Day, New Year's, every day, January the 10th, whatever day of the year. Give people love and give them a little bit of your time. It doesn't have to Hallelujah. be a time. I heard something. I don't know where I heard it or read it at or whatever, but it says, if you see somebody that doesn't have a smile, give them one of yours. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. And, and also, that go ahead, my dear. Oh, and one it other does. thing I wanted to say before I you know, you know, on a less serious note, my significant other gives me a weed blower or a lawnmower. He better go out back and mow the yard with it so he'll have a place to set up his doghouse. <laughs> I know that's right, girl. Okay. Oh, right. I know that's real. I know no, that's real. Okay. No, I, I, I thought you wanted this. No, you didn't. You wanted that. See, that's another thing. Do not try to fool us by getting us gifts that you want because that don't fly. But anyway... On a more serious note, the holidays is not always a happy time for everybody. So, you know, if there's somebody that you haven't seen around your church or, you know, or you haven't um, heard from, take this opportunity. Christmas time is a wonderful time to reconnect with people. It's a time to also it's a wonderful time to just share who Jesus is and what Jesus means to you um, because, you know, everybody is not going to learn or they might not come to Christ through the preacher, through the evangelist, 
through the teacher, through the apostle or prophet. You know, somebody might come through Christ to Christ simply by watching you or hearing about your testimony or hearing you tell your Christmas story and why Christmas means so much to you. But just remember, we should live Christmas every day, you know, and it's important to just know, take a little extra time to stop and reach out and love someone. Now, if there's anyone in our gallery tonight that wants to chime in, you have a comment, if you would uh, now press your one, I will bring you right on into the um, into the into the conversation. Um, I did see um, Deacon William in the house. Deacon Deacon Isbell, you have any comment for uh, uh, for us tonight about well, Christmas? Good evening. Good evening. Yes. Good evening, Bishop Cook. Good evening, Sister Bassford. Hi. Well, uh, they're both excellent show tonight. Uh, what I'd like to say is I want to kind of repeat what I said last Sunday. Um, when you look in your children's faces from Christmas time, or for that matter, any time, I hope you'll be like uh, Simeon when he took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God the said, Yeah. Let us, let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to the Gentiles and the glory to thy people Israel. If you can look at your children that way, God bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I just want to, amen. I just want to thank um, my beloved uh, sister Vassar for joining me on tonight, and um, I just want to say to all of you, uh, and also Deacon William Isbell, um, all of the clergy that's in the house, we're just so glad that you were able to join us as we discuss the gift, the real reason for Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas. We pray that you will um, make sure that you recommit yourself to giving your all to the Lord this Christmas because that's the only gift he really needs. As um, Sister Vassar said, God doesn't need our money. There, I mean, there's nothing. There's I don't care if we went to Tiffany's, Saks Fifth Avenue. There's nothing in there that we could get for God. Hallelujah. Oh, we have another comment. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, this is Teacher Lester Carver. Good evening, sir. Lord Bishop, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favored man of God. Good evening. This was an outstanding program, and I just wanted to add that we have an opportunity to give God a gift. It says that when we give to the poor, we are lending to God. We have yes. another opportunity to give God a gift. If we are not saved yet, give God your soul, and that yep. is one of the greatest gifts you can give to him, you're acknowledging his gift to you. And for those of us who are saved, we can give God a soul who does not yet yes. know the Lord by reaching out into the world and drawing them out of the devil's kingdom into the body of Christ. So I just Amen. want to share Amen. 
Amen. And you you just did a lovely review. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so if there be no others. I, you know what I love? What I, I love what we do here. We are family. We do love to come together and talk about the goodness of the Lord. We really do here at the Transformation Station understand the real meaning of Christmas. We live Christmas every day because, uh, you know, in my Spanish flair, you, when you look at Christmas, if you were Spanish, it would be more Christ. Well, I want more Christ every day in every way so that I can share him with the rest of the world. So this has been Bishop Shalene Cook, Sister Teresa Bassett, Teacher Lester Carver, and Deacon William Isbell here on Taking It to the Streets. We pray that you have enjoyed this program on tonight. We also uh, want you to be safe this holiday season. We want you to acknowledge Christ in all that you do. And as always, from all of us here, At the Spirit Alive Network, it is our fervent prayer that you be ye transformed. Have a beautiful and blessed evening, everyone. Good night. You too, Bishop. Good night. Good night.